Hey, KJ here with another Blueprint for a Book bonus episode. I am especially excited about this one. Um, this week's episode and assignment involves writing your jacket copy. Um, and I wrote in the show notes that it's a pretty common thing to tell writers uh, that you don't want to write your jacket copy or design your cover before you've written your book because it's not writing your book. And until you have an actual book, um, you don't want to get distracted by things like that. But jacket copy is not a distraction. Um, I like to think of your jacket copy as the promise to the reader. So what I want to do in this bonus episode is kind of two things. First of all, I do want to talk about jacket copy and that promise to the reader and the way that what your jacket copy usually really ends up being is almost um, your first your first chapter. It's it's establishing the either protagonist or the situation of the reader and the writer, depending on whether you're talking nonfiction or fiction, and then telling the reader of the back of the book or the flap copy why they want this. So I've got a couple examples that I'm going to read here, but when I'm done with that, I'm going to go on to a kind of a second form of jacket copy that I am very fond of, which is the publisher's marketplace announcement. So a thing that I have done here in the show notes, which you won't get in the email, you may have to click through to it because it's just too, too darn long, is I've given you a publisher's marketplace weekly summary of all the deals that they that were included in publisher's marketplace for the week before. And they are these little single run-on sentences that describe um, a book. And in the case of fiction, they don't usually describe the ending, but in the case of nonfiction, they invariably do actually tell the reader exactly what they're going to get. And I think it's very useful to have that written as well as your jacket copy, because that is more like, it tends to be simpler. It tends to be a log line. And it is, it's a, it's a thing you're going to use again and again to um, to describe the book and to attempt to sell the book. So that's coming. Let's start with jacket copy. So I promised in the headline that this is going to be jacket copy cheats, cheats and hacks. And it is. Um, I, I like to start my jacket copy from a formula. Um, so typically in fiction, the formula goes something like a person with a problem has an inciting incident happen that establishes something horrible is at stake or something big is at stake and or but well, so, so the bud is when you get into the publisher's weekly thing, but for the, for the jacket copy, sorry, the jacket copy is, you know, the person has a thing happen that can either solve all their problems or, or solve a lot of other larger problems. And so they must. Um, and the cool thing about jacket copy is that you get to end it vaguely you get to end it without actually providing the ending to your book. Now, when you use this jacket copy later for your query letter, 
you're probably going to need to resolve it in a different, you know, you're probably going to need to offer the resolution, um, even if it is only the thing that the protagonist manages to do that's in fiction. Um, because other you can't end you can't end a query with the kind of thing you can end jacket copy jacket copy you can end with you know but they must solve the problem in order to save the world yay uh, in a query it has to be you know they must blow up the Death Star in order to prevent Darth Vader from taking over the the revolution um, the rebels plot anyway that's fiction and then in nonfiction in both places. Always, you do say you you give it all away except the how. So you do say, um, you know, that the life changing magic of tidying up will teach readers to the the value of tidying their space and show them that living in a tidy space will make their lives better. You give it all. You give it all. So I'm going to read two here, and the first um, is the nonfiction. This is from the jacket copy of I Know How She Does It. How Successful Women Make the Most of Their Time from Laura Vanderkamp. And it goes like this. And after I read this to you, I'm going to give you the sort of things to pull out of it that'll help you to hack your way towards your own. So, balancing work and family life is a constant struggle, especially for women with children and ambitious career goals. It's been the subject of countless books, articles, blog posts, and tweets in the last few years, and passions run high in all directions. Now, Laura Vanderkam, the acclaimed time management expert, comes to the having it all debate by asking a very practical question. Given that we all have the same 168 hours every week, how do people who have it all, women with thriving careers and families, use those hours? When you study how such women fit the pieces of their lives together, the results are surprising. She shares the logs from 1,001 days in the lives of women who make at least $100,000 a year and still make time for their families and friends, for sleep and exercise, and for leisure activities they love. If you work 40 hours and sleep 56, i.e. 8 times 7, and many of the respondents with big careers and families did, that leaves 72 hours for everything else. Vanderkam explains how her subjects use those everything else hours why they work less and have more free time than we think, why it's a myth that successful women get too little sleep, and how women can have demanding jobs, spouses, and kids, and still enjoy a healthy amount of downtime. Based on what Vanderkam learns from the patterns in those time logs, she provides a framework for anyone who wants to thrive at both work and life. So that's the back of the book, or the jacket copy, depending on, on whether you've got a paperback or a hardback here. And it goes, first paragraph, the problem, the thing, the reason reason readers are going to put, pick up this book. Balancing work and family life is a constant struggle. Then it goes, the author, Laura Vanderkamp, acclaimed time management expert, and where she gets her information, why you should listen to that, to her. Time logs from 1,001 days in the lives of women who make at least $100,000 a year. Then it's the promise. This is what you're going to get. You're going to learn how to get the right, you know, how to get a lot more sleep, how you can work less and still have time for your family, um, how you can, as it says at the very ending, provide a framework for anyone who wants to thrive at both work and life. I mean, doesn't that want, make you want to grab this book, which incidentally is a very good one. 
Um, it, it totally does. And it gives you, it's, this is, this is non-fiction prescriptive basically, or self-help depending on how you look at, at it. Um, who the author is, what the problem, what the problem the book is going to solve is in this case, it's up front, who the author is and why they have an answer where they got that answer and what you as the reader will come away with. So, you know, five things. I love those five things. And I think that's really helpful. And what you can do is simply answer those questions in the most boring possible paragraph right now. So what's the problem? Who are you? Why should people listen to you? Where did you get your answers? What kinds of answers is the book going to share? And what is the reader going to gain by the end of it? Somehow that ended up being seven things. I must have moved my fingers too much. I don't know how that happened. I will write those in the show notes, or at least I will try to. And hopefully that will be helpful. So that's jacket copy for nonfiction. <coughs> Excuse me, fiction. All right. This is the jacket copy for the book, Who is Maud Dixon? Now, Who is Maud Dixon has the advantage of having what we call a big premise. Having a big premise makes writing your jacket copy a lot easier. Having a big premise makes writing your book a lot easier. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about this in, as I get into the publisher's weekly stuff, but I have vowed, and Serena has too, never again to write a book without a one-sentence descriptor. And I've vowed this in part because In Her Boots is so hard to explain. But I love it. It's a great book. Um, so really, it's a silly vow, and yet I have made it anyway. So here we go with Who is Maud Dixon? So Who is Maud Dixon has a, um, what do you call it, a, like a tagline, and it's all she ever wanted was a different life. Taglines are great. You should, you're you're going to need one. And then it goes, Florence Darrow is a low-level publishing employee who believes that she's destined to be a famous writer. When she stumbles into a job as the assistant to the brilliant, enigmatic novelist known as Maud Dixon, whose true identity is a secret, it appears that the universe is finally providing Florence's big chance. The arrangement seems perfect. Maud Dixon, whose real name, Florence discovers, is Helen Wilcox, can be prickly, but she is full of pointed wisdom, not only on how to write, but also how to live. Florence quickly falls under Helen's spell and eagerly accompanies her to Morocco, where Helen's new novel is set. Amid the colorful streets of Marrakesh and the windswept beaches of the coast, Florence's life at least feels interesting enough to inspire a novel of her own. Can I just pause and point out that that's basically the first two or three chapters? And here we go. But when Florence wakes up in the hospital after a terrible car accident with no memory of the previous night and no sign of Helen, she's tempted to take a shortcut. Instead of hiding in Helen's shadow, why not upgrade into Helen's life? Not to mention her best-selling pseudonym. <laughs> if that doesn't make you want to read that, I don't know what will. It is a fun book. So the jacket copy for a novel is really where the, cap where the character is at the beginning, what happens to push them into a new series of events or a new life or a new bunch of decisions plot-wise, what causes them to embrace that 
emotionally and what they're going to have to do to get out of this. And then you get to stop. That is the delight of the nonfiction jacket copy. You don't have to say how it ends. In fact, you're not supposed to, other than sort of, um, you know, uh, this, this one ends with, it's a psych stylish psychological thriller about how far into the darkness you're willing to go to claim the life you always wanted. So you could end it with that. That's because this is in the voice of the publisher. If it were not in the voice of the publisher, it would probably be something like, you know, um, Florence must discover how far into the darkness she is willing to go to claim the life she has always wanted. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, so that, those are, that's a really good example. Um, and again, to just take that and do the most boring thing, uh, a character who is, or who lives, or who um, is stuck, or who can't move, or who is about to, has, bam, the inciting incident happen, must do the fun thing that we are all here to read about in order to solve the problem that both, solve their plot problem and solve their emotion problem, probably the other way around, in order to um, discover their emotional journey and solve their plot problem. It sounds easier than it is, and yet it, it should be fairly easy, because again, what I'm suggesting here is that you write this terribly. And in order to bring you the joy of writing them terribly, I have provided for you in the show notes, and I will read to you now, some terribly written Publishers Weekly, or I'm sorry, Publishers Marketplace. Um, Publishers Marketplace publishes a tiny one-sentence long description of every deal that they're sent. So this is their deal newsletter. So here we go. I'll just read a few. I'm going to start with fiction. Um, and the rules for fiction are basically who, a noun who has a problem, has an inciting incident happened to them that that makes that puts a great deal at risk, but they must solve the internal problem in order to solve the plot problem. So, um, let me. I, I sorry, I'm sorry. I've written these little blurbs about how you can do this more easily in the notes for this episode. But let me just read a couple of these. All right. Emily Jane's On Earth, they always start with the, the author and then the, the headline. So Emily Jane, that's the author, On Earth as it is on television, good title, in which the world is rocked by the sudden arrival of alien spacecrafts that appear over major cities only to disappear as suddenly as they arrived, leaving humanity to wonder why they came and what happens next. Two, and then it tells who the book was sold to. So that, look how simple that one is. The author's title in which the world, in that in this case, I guess that's the, that's enough of a fragment for this, is rocked by yo alien spaceships, inciting incidents that appear and disappear. Well, that's a twist, um, and so humanity must wonder why they came and what happens next. So that really actually focuses on the emotional journey of humanity just a little unusual for a, a protagonist and presumably there are individual protagonists from this, but having something like that for Emily Jane is going to remind her, and I don't know who Emily Jane is, um, 
what she's focused on and what the what the promise is, what readers are going to expect. So readers are going to expect a broad slice of humanity thrown for a loop by alien spacecrafts who show up and then disappear. So we're going to need, you know, to be satisfied with this, we're going to need to know some whys, you know, and but not just some whys, but more, I mean, why is, is fascinating, but why is the situation? So it's really going to be about what do, what is humanity, and presumably in the, in the form of protagonists, learn from why those aliens came and the various and sundry fears and thoughts they have about what happens next. All right, so that maybe wasn't the greatest um, example of this. And some of these are not, are not good, but I put them all in here because it just gets you thinking about how to do your book. So I'm going to do two more fiction ones. This is kind of long. The two more fiction ones, there's, there's Noah Yedlin's Stockholm, the basis for an Israeli television series. Oh, yay, yay, yay. All right, some of this, these are going to make you feel bad. I'm sorry. Because a lot of the time it's like, famous person sells book, famous person sells book, but they're not all that way. Um, maybe I should skip the ones that are. I should delete them so they don't totally freak you out. But you know, some of them are that way. I'm not going to read the Stockholm one. I'm going to go right down to Willow Quinn's The Ride, a debut rom-com pitched as Forces of Nature meets Along Comes Polly, where... A straight-laced architect who analyzes and calculates his every decision has no choice but to journey down the path less traveled, that's a little vague, that's okay, in more ways than one, when he hitches a ride with an eccentric free spirit. So there, again, we got who, they, who it is, their very obvious emotional problem, and the thing that's going to force them out. We don't have a lot about the plot there, but... That's okay. Um, you can kind of choose one or the other to do this. I guess I will read you what the, so I am using this formula on the book that I'm currently writing. So I will read you what I wrote because I really followed my formula, which is a noun who has a problem, has an inciting incident happen to them, but they have uh, a twist occurs and they must solve the internal problem to solve their plot problem. So here is my description. On the verge of losing a chance to start over in the small town she loves, a woman who believes her flaky mother destroyed her life by depending on fortune telling and magic discovers that cookies with the images of the family heirloom tarot cards she stole long ago have the ability to change her life and the lives of others. But when her attempts to control the cards play right into the hand of a witch more powerful than she'd ever imagined, she must recognize that true power lies in letting those you love make their own choices in order to save her daughter from sacrificing herself to a destiny that might not be her own. I think that's pretty good. But what's good about it is I got who my protagonist is. A pretty solid description of what her problem is. The real problem is that she's a control freak. I could simplify that, I suspect. Um, the inciting incident, sort of, this is a little, but her discovery, so this is kind of the hookiness. Cookies with the images of the family heirloom tar tarot cards. And then the, the but, it's her daughter's life that's at stake, and there's an antagonist more profound, uh, powerful than she'd ever imagined. It's not great. But I think it makes you want to read the book. Um, 
Yeah. So, so I did my best to give you the, the sort of formula for writing that for fiction. And then for nonfiction, we go basically author expertise offers a guide to, or provides lessons in, or demonstrates or shares the ostensible thing that the life that, that your book is about. So tidying up and gives readers the real takeaway. So life is better when uh, your house is clean. Um, to go back to Laura's thing, Laura's the expert. She's going to offer a guide to how uh, women who have it all spend their time so that you can realize that you have more choices in the ways that you spend your time than you might imagine. All right, that's, I mean, that's me rambling on, but my real point here, I guess, is to grab the books that you have uh, chosen as comps and then flip them over, look at that back and realize what you've really got there. It's gonna look amazing because you love the book, right? It's your comp and, and, and it's probably something that you really enjoyed, but really it's probably protagonist in a situation, gets thrown for a loop, and has to solve the loop to solve their emotional problem. That's fiction. Nonfiction. It's probably expert author, has some information, that will teach the reader a thing, that will give the reader this change in their life. It's as simple as that and also as complicated as that. So, that was my kind of lengthy bonus on this. I happen to really love this. And just to come back again to this idea that it's the promise you're making the reader, that's why I do it and why I stick it places and why I go back to it. Because it's really easy to get caught up in um, something that is not what the reader was hoping to get. So, you know, if you have promised the reader that they're going to romp through a farm setting in order to watch their uh, the protagonist um, you know, solve a problem and, and, and change emotionally, you better be giving them the farm setting and not accidentally flaking off into an academic set of setting, which you laugh, but I pretty much did. So it's really great to remember, like, why, why did you tell people they should pick this book up and are you giving it to them? All right. Enjoy your assignment. So glad you're all here with us and we will talk soon. Oh yeah. In the meantime, Keep your butt in the chair and your head in the game.